Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are you ready for the Bible? All right, let's get into the Word today. Last week, um, we talked about the life journey of Mary and Joseph and their, it, how it was like an unexpected journey. Um, and that life is like that for a lot of people, right? Like, um, and we, we considered last week, like, life can be really good and life can be really hard, right? Like, both can be true. And most of us find out throughout life, especially as believers, that both are true. Sometimes the unexpected things happen and we're like, man, life is hard harder than I anticipated, but also that God is so good and there's so much richness in him and we are just so blessed to know him and be able to follow Jesus. Life can be really, really good. Amen? And uh, if you missed that message last week, uh, it's on the podcast and videoed in all kinds of places and things like that. But uh, we talked about that perspective about life. This week, I want to talk to you about an unexpected birth. Last week was an unexpected journey. This week is an unexpected journey. birth, and we're going to talk about and look at John the Baptist and a couple of others as well. I'm going to open up with Isaiah 43, verse 19, and then we're going to pray. Here's what it says in Isaiah 43, 19. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Would you say new thing? I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are so privileged to gather in the name of Jesus. And yes, we behold you today, Lord. We, we adore you today, Lord. We are thankful for you today. Um, it is our privilege to come and worship you today, Lord. As we come and as we just give you our adoration and our love, we just say, God, open up our hearts to hear from your word. Lord, we know that your word has authority and can speak to every one of us no matter the season of our life, no matter where we are today, we can each hear from you. So Lord, right now, we open up our hearts. Lord, I pray for the empowerment of your spirit to preach your word. I pray, Father, that uh, what is in your heart, let it be imparted today. We thank you for your word. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all ready? All right, we're going to jump into Luke chapter 1. We're going to talk about the birth of John the Baptist. And uh, Luke 1 verse 5 says this. By the way, I'm going to read a lot of Bible in church. I hear that's permitted, so it's cool. Um, but as I'm reading it to you, I just want you to like, let your mind kind of like paint the story as I'm reading it to you, okay? Um, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time came for burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, have you all ever been startled in your life? 
Can you imagine how startled you'd be? Like, nobody's supposed to be there, right? Like, he's burning incense, and then he looks, and there is an angel standing there. I, 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 I sometimes like, like with Elizabeth, like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go, and I know she's focused on something. How do I go in and not scare her the most, right? Because she has this really cute kind of yelp when I do, oh, you know, kind of thing, you know, like, and if I was a less mature person, I would try to see how much of a yelp I could get up. But I don't. I don't try. I try to see uh, the game is how much can I minimize that. Can you imagine, like, he is, he is there uh, before the Lord, like, burning incense, and he looks, and there is an angel standing there. It says, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah answered the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. That's a wise man right there. Do you all see what he did right there? He did not call his wife old. F- fellas, just go ahead and write that in your notes right now. That was, that, that's some wisdom from the Lord right there. He says, I am very old. That, it's an interesting tone that he takes with the, with the angel because, you know, uh, Mary had the same question. She said, how can this be? The angel answered him and she said, let it be as you've said kind of thing. It was like a curiosity, how can it be? Where Zechariah, he's like, I don't know about this as he's standing there burning incense in the temple of the Lord with an angelic visitation. He's just like, I don't know, fella. I'm not sure if this is going to happen because, you know, I'm like really old. My wife is really along in years. The angel said to him, pause for just a second. Have you ever been in a place where you didn't want to get your hopes up? You waited so long that you're like, I, I don't want to get my hopes up now. That's really a good lesson from this for us, right? The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. Elizabeth loves this part. I'm not really trying to preach my wife this morning, but she does this better than I do. She goes, I love that part. She goes, she goes, he goes, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell uh, you this good news. And now you will be silent. And not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe the words which will come true at their appointed time. Simmer down, Gabriel. But you know, I want to encourage you before we just continue to dig into the scripture. There are moments and times that are unplanned in your life where God is going to visit you, where God's going to give you a word, God's going to speak to you, and how you respond matters. You might not be ready for that word of the Lord to come to you, but how you respond matters. Now, what was it with Zechariah? Was it that he didn't want to get his hopes up? Was it just unbelief or something going on in him? But it was like, he was, for him, being there burning incense in the temple of the Lord, we're going to get to this in a moment, that was enough for him. Like he was, it was like a lifetime opportunity for him. He's there and things are going, he's like, but I ain't getting my hope up, hopes up about a child. Even though 
the history of his nation is based on an old man named Abraham and a, and a wife who's well along in years, Sarah, who has a child at like 98 years old, right? And so the visitation comes, the word of the Lord comes, and there's this resistance to the word of the Lord. You know, it's also really encouraging about the scripture. His resistance did not nullify the word, right? And so God was still working even though he was being hard to work with. I just want to encourage you, don't be hard to work with, right? When the Lord says something, just do the yes and amen. Let it be as you have said. That's what, that's what Mary said. Let it be as you have said. Because I tell you what, life has enough hard things and twists and turns and difficult things. The last thing that we need to do is reject the good word of the Lord when it comes. When hope comes to visit our door. I am Gabriel. Meanwhile, verse 21 The people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. They're like, did he have a heart attack? Like, Anyhow, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When when his time of service was complete, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In, those, in these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. If you have ever had um, in your life and in your journey a struggle to get pregnant or a difficult pregnancy or a miscarriage, you can certainly identify um, with the pain and, and, and trial right, that Zechariah and Elizabeth have, have struggled with, right? Like, it is very real. It goes to your core. I know Elizabeth and I, um, well, Elizabeth had a, a miscarriage, and she, she speaks publicly about this, and it was between Andrew and, um, and Ethan. And it was, for us, um, it was very easy to have children, very easy. And um, we, just, we just thought, you know, this is what, so what happens. And so we didn't have any trouble or any issue. And so when Elizabeth had a miscarriage, man, I tell you what, it was the sucker punch of sucker punches. Like we had not experienced that death and that, that, that pain in our lives. And so, and then, um, and, and if you've been on this journey, you know that then when you're having pregnancy, man, the enemy just comes and he's just like, all right, you know, what's going to happen, or, you know, fear and words and those kinds of things that, you know, we had two more children after that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And for their struggle, it was compounded, not just because they wanted children and couldn't have a child. Their pain was, was, um, was compounded because there was a corporate and community shame around barrenness. Because the culture assumed that if you couldn't have children, God was mad at you. We talked about that last week, right? That we sometimes interpret things wrong. We're very transactional about why things are happening, right? And culturally, if you were barren, there must be sin in your life. But Scripture is super clear and like doubles down on this. It says, but it says that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. I mean, the word is very clear that the problem was not them. Even says that she was not able to conceive. And you know, I, I want to encourage you because I feel like we've got to get this deep into us. I said this last week, not everything in life is transactional. 
not every bad thing that happens in your life is because of something you did. That really views the world as centered around you. Do our actions have consequences? Absolutely. But is everything that happens in your life a consequence of something that you've done and that you're in this transactional thing with God just trying to stay enough on the good side so not enough bad things happen? No. We face difficulty for a whole host of reasons in this world. We live in a broken world that you can't control the fact that the world is broken, right? We have an enemy, the devil, who resists us. He don't like you. He wants to kill and destroy your life. We don't have to fear him because we have Jesus covering our life, amen? And you know, sometimes when, when bad things happen or delays or things, sometimes there is, or excuse me, when there's a delay, God just has a timing sometimes. I don't know about you, but I've noticed that he is not on my schedule. I'm like, pray, where's the answer? Like right now, right? And a lot of times he takes more time than I would take and probably more than you would take. In Scripture, whenever there's a difficult birth or a delayed birth, it points to a special child. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, she has Isaac when they are really old, right, in Genesis chapter 18. And they had been waiting and waiting and waiting. As a matter of fact, Abraham took matters in his own hands and he went and he had a son through another, uh, another woman and the son's name was Esau. And the Lord said, yeah, that's not it. He said, you cannot manufacture my promise. I'm going to deliver my promise. Ever done that? I'm sorry, y'all are like, oh yeah, I've done that, right? Tried to make it happen, Captain. And it's like, no, the Lord says, I'm going to make it happen. And so Sarah has Isaac, and Isaac is the beginning of the promise and the line that would bring Israel and Jesus and and the, the gospel to us, right? Hannah, going further back, she was childless and barren, and she's at the temple crying out to the Lord, and the Lord gives her a child, and she had made the commitment, I'm going to dedicate this child to the Lord, and her son's name was Samuel. Samuel's the greatest transition person in the Old Testament, moving us from judges into the land of kings, and he anointed the first two kings, Saul and David. He was this prophet, priest, like just amazing man of God, but his mother had to wait for him and struggled to have him. And just like Abraham and Sarah had not done anything wrong, and just like Hannah and her husband hadn't done anything wrong, Zechariah and Elizabeth had not done something wrong, but they had a very special son in store. And Zechariah and Elizabeth's story is really a picture of the nation of Israel. Because they were like a picture of this remnant of people, like this small number of people who are waiting for God to come. They were faithful to God in a dry and a dark time. And they were waiting for God to do something. And just like Israel was waiting for God to send the Messiah, waiting for God to do something, and just saying, come on, let's see this thing happen. Zechariah and Elizabeth were this couple who were waiting for this good thing for God to bring across in their life. Zechariah and Elizabeth probably um, had assumed by this point that the ship had sailed, that they were not going to have a baby. Um, they had prayed. Uh, it had appeared that God had said no, but just because they were very old and they hadn't had a child. And so at this point, the pregnancy was unlikely and it was very unexpected. But you know, the whole thing, the whole setup was very unexpected. Zacharias, um, his appointment to the temple was incredibly unlikely. So back in that day, the priesthood 
um, who served at the temple. There were about 18,000 priests at that time, and they were broken up into 24 divisions. I did the math. I was just kind of curious. So it's about 750 priests per, per division. Each division of the 24, right, each division would get two one-week times to go to Jerusalem and serve at the temple. Right? And so a group of, if it was even, you know, 750 of these priests would show up, and there's only one temple, and there's only so many jobs to, to do, right? So they would cast lots, and it was basically, you know, like, like all right, who gets the, you know, the, the short end of the stick or the long end, you know, whatever that is, right? And they would, they would figure that out and say, okay, Zechariah, guess what? You've been chosen to do the incense. Isn't it interesting that the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, because really, if you got to do this, it was probably going to be once in your life. The once-in-a-lifetime in his life when he got to do it was the time when the angel of the Lord was going to visit him and announce that his wife was going to have a child. I don't know about you, but like sometimes I wish God would spread things out. Like That's a really good day, right? Like, you get to go, and you get to serve, and like, it's such a great honor. You've been in, a, in the priesthood all of your life, and, and he's been waiting for this, and now it reminds me of, um, you know, sometimes you get to do something really special. When I turned 40, um, that was a while ago, uh, like, I took um, Abigail, Andrew, and Ethan, because they were all old enough, to a Steeler-Ravens uh, game. This is back in, in the many, many years that the Steelers were very good. Um, and so... We went and we went to we went up to Pittsburgh and we had these great seats in, in the first or the, the, like the second tier like on the fifty yard line and we watched the Steelers just crush the Ravens that week and it was so amazing we were all so cold that it made the memories very distinct and it was very you know just such an amazing moment and we shared that as a family you know when you have those special moments you love them right that special blessing for Zechariah like. Like this moment to go in and to burn incense was such an honor. And now he's going to get a visitation and God is going to tell him what he's doing. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says this. Now Isaiah is an Old Testament verse that's hundreds of years before. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you go back a few more chapters in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in in the desert a highway for our God. Do you know who was the voice in the wilderness? It was John the Baptist. It was the son that Elizabeth and Zechariah were going to have. He was going to be the voice in the wilderness calling out. He was going to be the one saying, listen, God is doing a new thing and it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Just like Zechariah had had this visitation and he had been waiting for something good to happen for so long in his life and then it happens at this unexpected time. Their son, John the Baptist, was going to have that exact same call to go to Israel and to say, listen, God is doing a new thing. It's time to repent of your sins and turn to God because he is bringing something very special to you. Get right with God. Get your heart towards God right now because God is doing some amazing things. John the Baptist's entire message was going to be a preparation for Jesus coming to the hearts of mankind. His whole call. And you know what? This boy, this son, I I mentioned that a delayed birth or a difficult birth would represent a very special child or, you know, that was coming. And John the Baptist 
had a, was a very special child with a very special call. It says that John the Baptist was filled with the Spirit from birth. Y'all, he's the only one in Scripture that it says that. He came out of the womb and he already was filled with the Spirit. It says that he will go in the spirit and power of Elijah, turning the hearts of the parents to the sons. It says that he'll bring back many to the Lord. He was a revivalist, and he had this like special life with special disciplines and a special anointing on his life, a special call. And he even had a special vow that went along with it. His mom and dad were told, listen, this boy is not to drink alcohol. It was similar to like Samson's um, uh, vow in that Samson, he could not cut his hair. John the Baptist was allowed to cut his hair, apparently. But he was not allowed, Samson, to drink. I honestly think Samson's character was so suspect that that's the last thing that he needed, um, if you've read the story, right? Um, But he had this, John the Baptist had this life of separation and this very special call and these very special parents, if you will. And, you know, I want to tell you, you know, as a believer, as a Christian, you have a life of separation as well. You have a different life. See, that was a really good opportunity for an amen. So I'm going to run up to that again. Because y'all are not as excited about this as I am, all right? As a Christian and as a believer, you have a very special life call as well. You're called to a life of separation and a life to be different. Y'all are so good, right? I know I just manipulated you, but it was out of a pure motive. God may ask you to do some things that he doesn't ask other people to do. He may ask you to not do some things that he gives other people permission to do. John the Baptist was told not to drink, and it was an individual thing for him. Like, you are not to drink at all. And who knows all the wisdom of God that was in that decision for John the Baptist. What was important was trusting God with what he said. Amen? And I'm trying to point out here that there are some things that we are all called not to do. Like, we're not supposed to, to like, sleep with people who are not married to. We're not to, like, there's a whole, like, very common, you know, Galatians 5 is really clear about it. Like, the acts of the sinful nature are, you know, really obvious kind of thing, right? Like, there's very obvious things, Right? But for some of us, like, you have something that God's like, I want you to stay away from this. And it's just between you and him. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go towards legalism and to make stuff up or let the devil tell you stuff. But for some of us, we just know God has said no to that or to do this. And hearing God's voice in that is a very precious thing. Um, it really, it's a privilege, not a burden. We have to think of it that way. Because the last thing we need to do is walk around, you know, can you imagine John the Baptist going, hey guys, what's up? You guys going out this weekend? Great. Yeah, no, I can't drink. Why? I don't know. My parents are old and they like, they just told me I'm not allowed to drink. And, you know, it's like a real bummer. But, uh, you know, you go ahead. No, no, it's my burden to bear. I don't think, I don't think that's how he was called to carry that. Did I say something I didn't mean to say? Just checking. Okay. Sometimes when people laugh, I get a text later going, you said, I was just making sure that that wasn't one of those moments. <laughs> I'll get a text later if I did. Um, I totally lost my train of thought. So it, it, it's not a burden, the things that the Lord calls us to. It is for our good and a privilege. Do you hear that today? 
So when I say, like, as a Christian, we are called to a life that is separated and a different life, that's an amen because it's a good thing and it's for us and God has wisdom and we trust him with them, right? It's not a legalism and a weirdness and I'm just trying to get everything right because of this transactional life that, gosh, if I make one step wrong and then he's going to smite me and he's going to make my life miserable and man, he can make my life miserable. What kind of relationship with God is that? He so loved the world and he came to give us life. I really trust that he has a good plan and good purposes for me. And his yeses and his noes are wise for me. They're not just trying to box me in, that he's trying to keep me safe. Zechariah is a priest, John the Baptist's dad. He's a priest. Um, it would be kind of akin to like growing up in a pastor's house kind of thing. By the way, in my house, you were never allowed to say pastor's kid. We never allowed that phrase because it either means something good or bad. And we're like, no, 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 no. We would parent you the same. We would do the same. Whether we did this or not did this, like we just don't let that language happen in the house, right? But it was a different household for, him, for, for uh, John the Baptist, right? Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, what's interesting, are both from the line of Aaron, and I'm going to get to why that's important. So that means that Elizabeth's father, um, John the Baptist's mom, Elizabeth's father would have been a priest. And Zechariah, who is a priest, his father would have been a priest. So we're doubling up here, right? And they're an older couple who both grew up as a priesthood home, and they are priests. Can you imagine, like, I think God may have designed for John the Baptist to grow up right there with older parents with a special call for his special duty. And y'all, let's remember, John the Baptist is going to die in his early 30s because Elizabeth and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they are cousins, right? And Jesus and John the Baptist grow up around the same time as one another, and John the Baptist is going to be beheaded before Jesus goes to the cross. So he had a special call, but he also was going to graduate early and not in an easy way and go to heaven. And so there's, there's a lot going on around this, this, this young man's life. I think, I think God wanted this couple at this time to raise these children. And I'm sure that Zechariah and Elizabeth did not enjoy the wait. How many of us enjoy the wait? No. But there's another angle to this waiting. I think sometimes when we think about why is God making me wait, I know he's spoken this thing. I know the truths of the word and I know the good things that he has for me. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the full. I really take him at his word that he's got a good life you know, planned for me. He's got good purposes. He hasn't promised me that no harm or, or that I won't have any trouble in my life, but he has promised that he's going to watch over me and give me a good life on the balance, amen? And it just gets better, right? But like, why? Why would, why would we, why would does God cause us to wait? Sometimes we think the waiting just has to do with us, but I, we need to back up and realize that God has a much bigger perspective than you and I see. The thing is, let's just say that Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying 
young when they were married. Lord, we want to have a baby. And Lord, we, you know, we're, we, they're just planning and excited, and year one goes by, and they don't have a child. Year two goes by, they don't have a child. Year five goes by, they don't have a child. Year 10 goes by, and they're looking at each other, going, maybe we should hang up this prayer, right? Like, and the time is going. They, what they don't see is that the timing of John the Baptist had to be timed exactly right so that right around when John the Baptist was, would be born, this other person would be born, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, Jesus' parents are very, very young. So when they were first praying and saying, Lord, we want a baby, Joseph and Mary are probably toddlers. So there's a bigger plan going on that they have no idea. They have no idea the call that John the Baptist is going to have and that his call coincides with the timing of Jesus' life, that he was going to be the forerunner for the Lord of glory who's going to come and take the sin of the world. It's like, this is bigger than you, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Can I tell you that our waiting is bigger than us? And that God's not going to waste your waiting. He's not going to waste the delay. But when he comes and he says, hey, I'm going to answer that prayer that you prayed a long time ago, I just encourage you, don't laugh and don't go, well, hold on a second here. You got some answering to do. Because I prayed for this a long time ago. And we've, you know, already transformed the baby room into something else. Now it's our knitting room. I want some answers. We're reading the story going, he's going to bring in Jesus. He's a voice crying out in the wilderness, make way the way of the Lord. Well, he couldn't do that because the Lord wasn't there yet. It's such an interesting comparison. You've got this very old couple and this very young couple. You've got Mary who's going to conceive and she hasn't even been with her husband yet. They both have very... very different lives. It's so interesting to me because John the Baptist in some ways was given every advantage of older parents who had waited a long time and who had been very faithful to the Lord for a long time. That's a very interesting home to be born into. Jesus had zero advantages other than the fact that Mary and Joseph were just amazing people. They're born to young parents. He's born to young parents who don't have a lot, who have to flee to Egypt because Herod is trying to kill the babies. Like, all of this stuff is stacked against them. Jesus didn't get these amazingly qualified. They had had a lot of experience kind of, they, they just got like the, you know, this couple who were just coming together. And I don't know about you, but like when you're a young parent, you're like, okay. I mean, we're, you're so serious as a young parent. I, you know, poor Abigail. We were like, oh, like we're gonna, you know, I remember we used to have really early bedtimes. And it's probably like, you know, we joke, we, a lot of us joke about like how much counseling our kids are going to have to get from our parenting, right? And our, one of our big ones is like bedtime. We, I mean, she was going to bed at eight and nine o'clock. Like nine o'clock, she was a teenager going to bed at nine o'clock. I realized we were like really <laughs> over, you know. And so I remember once she comes home um, and it's like after she's like moved out or whatever and she's an adult and Caleb is like, I don't know, 10 it's like 9.30. She walks up and looks at him and goes, what are you doing up? <laughs> and he looks at her like she's speaking another language. What are you talking about? He goes, I go to bed at 10. And she's like, what? <laughs> you know in your birth order, right? Like how it goes. And that's just life. And God knows and he's got it all. And Jesus had like the super conscientious, like, okay, like this ain't even our child. Like Jesus, God gave us this child and apparently he's called to be the king of the Jews. We better get this right. 
Jesus is like, don't sweat it. It's good. But when we, we read the Bible around our own lives, and that's appropriate because it applies to your life. But can you trust that God does, is doing some things that you can't see? And can you trust the fact that when there are some difficult things and some things that you can't explain, that there's someone who's smarter than you who can explain it, who does understand it, but he doesn't actually answer to you and me? See, that's trust. When he doesn't have to answer me, right? And that's kind of what was going on in Zechariah that day. It was like, hey, I'm really old. My wife is well along in years. And he's like, looking for explanation, looking for, hey, what is going on with this? And he's responding with this unbelief. But I just want to encourage you to trust the Lord. Just simply trust him. And rather than in a transactional way, trying to always have to know why this happened and why that happened, maybe it's bigger than you. And I, I really believe in my heart, God does answer those questions a lot of times. I don't think he has to, but I think he does. But I think he does it at the right time and the right place, and your heart needs to be right to receive the answer. Making stuff up is not helping you or me. Trying to ex- God-splain everything. Like, well, God did it this way, and God did it that way, and God's up there going, who said that? And what scripture did you pull out of context to make that true? Right? Like, maybe sometimes... We go, God, I don't know if I did do something, show me. If I didn't, maybe it's just a broken world. Maybe it's the enemy. If it's the enemy, I want to know because I want to rebuke him in your authority. Like letting God and your relationship with God help figure this stuff out. Zachariah's call, uh, uh, Elizabeth's call was so much bigger than them. Can you imagine what it was like for them going, I'm trying hard, Lord. I'm trying to be a, a good believer and a good follower. And we're trying. And, and can you imagine those nights when they're going, what are we doing wrong? And the Lord is just saying, wait. Just wait. I know it's not convenient. I know you don't like it. But you know what's cool in the waiting is in the waiting is the seeking. So the waiting should not be the explaining. The waiting should be the seeking. The waiting isn't that makes stuff up. The waiting is an opportunity to just be with God and say, I trust you. You're bigger than I am. I don't understand all of this, but I trust you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to be faithful to you no matter what the cost. Whenever there is a birth in Scripture, God is up to something good. He says, I love in Isaiah 43, 19, ours says it differently. It says, how does it say it? Our version says, see, I am doing a new thing. There's another version that says, behold, I am doing a new thing. That is all the more true when it's an unexpected birth. These unexpected births are these unexpected times when God is going to do something new. And before I, before I keep following this line of thought with an unexpected birth, I just want to say, just remember that when God puts something fresh in your heart, a word of the Lord, or something comes to you, don't resist like Zechariah, but be humble and teachable like Mary was. Okay, Lord. I mean, Mary's miracle was way more fascinating than Zechariah and Elizabeth's miracle because of the whole, you know, sex thing. Right? Like, that's pretty remarkable. 
And she's like, may it be as you said. That is an amazing attitude. We need to have that childlike faith, right? So his birth is unexpected, John the Baptist's birth, but, and Jesus' birth is unexpected for sure. And then you get into the book of John, and we were just doing this in our Sunday school class on John a couple weeks ago, talking about Jesus and Nicodemus. And here's Jesus, who's an unexpected birth, looking at Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, and he says, hey, buddy, you need to be born again, Jesus speaking to the Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is kind of like, I, I'm not... So I've already been born, like it's gross to think about being born again. I'm not really sure. And Jesus is saying, no, you need to be born of the Spirit. The message of being born again was another unexpected birth. Nobody was anticipating the answer being, you need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. It was a game changer. And that unexpected birth is one that we can all participate in. Siri's getting the word, apparently. Don't say the name. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's this unexpected birth that we can all participate in. And next week, being Christmas, we'll have another Christmas message, and we'll, we'll tie in this a, a little bit more. But this idea that we could be born again. Y'all, if you haven't experienced it yet, when we are going through life without having put our faith in Christ, we are doing life the difficult way. We are trying in our own ability and our own strength to do things that we, are not, we don't have the power to do. Trying to be good, trying to be faithful, trying, a lot of trying, right? But with the Holy Spirit and being born again, there's an enablement to an empowerment to, an ability that isn't of your own because the Lord knows you can't work hard enough to get this right. But the Lord can empower you by, your, by the Holy Spirit to have a brand new life where in those hard moments, in those difficult moments, the Holy Spirit can empower you to say, I'm going to get you through this and I'm going to help you with this. And I, I just want to encourage you, there is this threshold that we, tra- that we cross in life. And that threshold is we, we come to a place where we go, okay, I believe that he's real. And I believe that Jesus came and I believe in the cross. But there's this threshold that we cross over where we go, I'm all in. It's the threshold that with the disciples, it was like, come and follow me. And it was kind of like, well, do you want to give me an itinerary? Do you want me to you want to tell me how long we're going to be gone? What things are we going to do? What activities? Is there a vacation plan in this? Like, there could have been a whole host of questions and things like that. But there's this threshold that we, we cross over. And it's the threshold of my life is mine, my life is his. My life is my way, the, my life is his way. My life is in my hands, my life is now in his hands. And that again is an opportunity to say, Lord, I want what you have for me. I trust that you made me. I trust that you designed me. I trust that I'm not a a mistake or an overlook or anything like that, that you have a plan that is for my life. And my life is way better over the threshold than it is in my own hands. For most of us, we've come to this conclusion, trying to get it right in your own strength is overrated. Being in control and being in charge is way overrated. Trusting him, it's like getting out of that boat into the, into the water and saying, I don't know where all of this is going to lead, 
but I trust the leader. I trust you, Jesus. And I just want to encourage you in your own life to know where you are with that threshold and be very deliberate with God about, hey, I want to be on the side of the threshold where my life is yours, and Lord, I am born again, and I've received your spirit to empower me to just follow after you. That unexpected birth is the best one yet. And that's the one that each one of us, God's not going to make you do it, but oh, how he wants you to cross that threshold because he loves you. If you haven't crossed that threshold, I'm not shaming you. I'm inviting you. I have, if you ever want to sit down, I have lived on both sides of that threshold, and I am so thankful that on May 5th, 1992, I made that decision. Best decision for me. Today is December the 18th, 2022. If that, today is your day to cross over that threshold, I just want to encourage you, just run over the line. Just run over the line and say, God, I'm yours. Just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of trying to control my own life. I need my life in your hands. I just want to come and follow you, whatever that means. I just want to follow after you. If that's a decision that you're making today and you're in the in-person service, I want you to just come and talk to me right after service. I want to pray with you. I want to interact. You can push other people out of the way for all I care. (laughs) Don't do that. They'll think you're unchristian. But I just know I'm really excited to talk to you. If you're online... Um, we want to connect with you if you're making that, that decision. Go to victorychristian.church and click, click on Next Steps, and we will reach out to you and, and connect with you. Would you stand with me today? I want, to, I want to pray for you and pray with you. I want to pray that um, a couple things. One is that we will allow God to be the one who interprets what's going on in our lives. Amen? The other thing is that in the waiting, we don't lose faith so that when God does a new thing, we don't have the faith to meet him there. We don't have the trust to meet him there, but that we respond when God moves. Because you know, sometimes he doesn't move when you tell him to move. He moves when he's going to move, right? Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. You are so good. And Lord, in reading this scripture, Lord, today, it's so obvious that you, your thinking, it operates at a higher level than any of us. Who can completely know the mind of God? But Lord, um, we just say today, that in reading this, we say that we can trust you, that you have a good plan, and that while there are difficult things, trying things, that we want to go through those with you, not judging or apart from you. So Lord, today, we just put those unexplained things, we just push them forward to you, and just say, God, we want to put them into your hands. And Lord, we want our hearts to be soft and ready for those moments of birth, those moments for a new thing, those moments for a fresh thing. And God, we want to have a a Mary attitude about it rather than a Zechariah attitude. Lord, as we go into this Christmas, we just treasure you. And I ask you to be with each family. I pray that in the noise, in the activity, in all the things that are going on. Lord, especially in those vulnerable moments, I just pray, Lord, that you would meet hearts by your presence and your spirit and that you would be with people. I thank you, God, that you're so good. You're so real. And Father, for those who, Father, who have been battling with you and struggling with you, I thank you, God, that you love them. That you're not rejecting them. You're wooing them. 
you're winning them. God's kindness leads us to repentance. So God, we love you and we honor you and we take all of the, those difficult things in life that we're trying to always figure out and we just say, would you be the interpreter? Would you have the final word about each circumstance, each difficulty, each context? We thank you, Lord, and we trust you. And Lord, as we uh, conclude today and as we just go into um, time of fellowship, Lord, bless our meal and our time together. Father, for those watching online today, let your presence be with them in such a rich and a strong way. Visit them. Jesus, we celebrate you. You are our hero. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.